This is episode number 004 of the Reno Slant. Fresh off a beat down to Portland State, Nevada's heading to SEC country. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau. So, did anything happen last week? <laughs> it feels like it's been a month since we launched uh, last week, and there was a ton that went down. Obviously, football season returning. Nevada started the year with an absolute ass-kicking of Portland State on Friday night. It did get a little bit scary, though. If, you, if you're saying that you weren't a little bit scared in that first quarter, you're lying. That, that was a surprise early, for sure. Uh, we're going to get some quick thoughts on that game, but then it's on to Vanderbilt. Uh, what does Nevada need to do to go into SEC country and pick up a win o- over Vandy? What do we need to know ab- about Vanderbilt? And obviously, we need to get into our predictions, including we get to really get into it now. Last week, we didn't get to get into the betting angle at all because it was an FCS game, and the line didn't come out until the day before, I don't believe. But So the line is out, so I'm not going to get into more of the betting angle. Uh, for Nevada Vanderbilt on Saturday morning. For slants this week, NFL now takes this turn kicking off this weekend. So what games are we looking forward to? Some familiar faces certainly return to the TV screen this weekend. So we got a new slant. Hey, I know you. And we're going to introduce, reintroduce, however you want to phrase that Twitter question. So I used to do it with my radio show uh, when I was on ESPN Radio up in Reno. I certainly want to incorporate that on to the podcast, but before we get to that, uh, we need to get to some iTunes reviews of the week. I said we're only going to do one, um, but to be honest, there were some good ones, and I wasn't really sure which ones to go with, so I picked a couple um, of, one, one was a little bit more serious, one was a little bit more funny, I think it was one of our buddies, um, so the first review of the week comes from Neil H eight 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 eight. He says, it's been far too long since the interwebs have had a podcast devoted to Nevada Wolfpack Athletics with Nevada poised for a historic season in basketball and a possible rebirth of football. Now is the perfect time for a return of a show devoted to all things Nevada. The shout bro hosts, LOL, are passionate and knowledgeable. If you love the Nevada Wolfpack, this show is for you. Battleborn. Um, the other review of the week, so we're going tied for first, goes comes from the Choosy Wan. Um, and do you know who this was? Uh, I'm not sure who that was, to be honest. <laughs> These boys got me hyped to see some fall ball go down. Funny and enthusiastic, although all around a good time. Beers, bros, and balls, what else could you ask for? <laughs> so I'm fairly certain that was one of our buddies. I'm kind of hoping it was. <laughs> um, yeah, you just got to hope it was like an old username they made. You <laughs> can only hope. So if you want to be... Uh, possibly selected for the iTunes review of the week next week. Just go on to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We haven't nailed the criteria yet. Obviously, one was a little bit more serious there. One was um, a little bit more fun. But I promise you, I, I read them all. It was so awesome hearing from you guys. So we'll get we'll get into Vandy momentarily. But, bro, we need to talk first. I, I mentioned at the top there was a lot that happened over the last week, including uh, we finally launched, we're public with it. So I guess for you, what was the last week like 
um, from a feedback standpoint or people saying anything? What, what was the week like for you? Now I heard from a couple, a couple of buddies I haven't heard from in a while. They were excited to hear it. Uh, just obviously I was also loving the comments from people I didn't know. So it kind of showed that it was getting outside of our friend group, but you know, majority, a lot of it was positive feedback. So that's good to hear. Um, but yeah, ultimately just connecting with some others, you know, some friends that I haven't heard from in a while was, I think definitely a highlight of it as as well as, as hectic as it was. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a little bit more plugged in with the social media stuff. I've kind of been a little bit more active on Twitter, but whether it was, uh, people reaching out on Twitter, people leaving reviews on iTunes, people texting, people calling. Got a call from mom and dad <laughs> on Wednesday <laughs> night, so that's how you know it's an official launch. That made it official. Oh, you got, you got a call? I didn't even get a I call. I got a call. You suck. <laughs> you suck. Favorite son. Shows favoritism right there. Um, but in all honesty, it was super awesome hearing from everyone over the last week. People saying how excited they were about it. People saying how much they um, didn't hate it. <laughs> Yeah. So that's obviously a good thing, but um, it was just so fun hearing from all of you guys. So everyone who, who gave us a shot in the launch, anyone who reached out, anyone who told one of their friends, post on Instagram, whatever it was, cannot tell you how much we appreciate it, really trying to start this thing from the ground up. I mean, that's how you kind of build this thing. So if, if I'm talking to you, and I am talking to you because you're listening, thank you. I mean, we, we really, really do appreciate it, and now that we're you're here... We certainly hope to keep you here, um, talking about obviously, but as we've talked about in the first few shows, making it about Reno really at large. Um, Reno is a city near and dear to both of us for certain. So now that the sappy part of this, the show is over, we got to re- we'll wrap up the Portland State game a little bit last week. What was your pucker level in the first quarter when it when it's nine nothing? Oh my god! I was on the I was on the subway on the way to Dodger Stadium, <laughs> and yeah. I'm watching the score, and I see it was a seven zero at first, and I lean over to Marcus, our buddy, and I was like, "All right, seven zero, whatever, maybe some fluke or something." So I flip back on later. I'm you know getting in Dodger mode or whatever. And then it's, yeah, nine zero, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Here we go." So pucker <laughs> level was I'll put extremely puckered. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how it's not. I mean, everyone is aware of the Idaho State game last time or last year, and I, I was certainly thinking about it for half a second, and I was thinking, oh. what is going to be the fallout if this actually happens? If Nevada loses at home to an FCS team for the second straight year, and let alone a terrible FCS team? Oh, yeah. The whole city of Reno might have gone on fire. I mean, I think everybody at that point, there have been a lot of people who would have just ditched it and just said, we gave it a shot. Wins basketball season. It, it would have killed the season from a momentum standpoint, from an mm-hmm. excitement standpoint. Um, Definitely, it would have been ugly. So fortunately, that did not become a reality <laughs> very long. Eventually, Ganging offense got it going, hung seventy two points up. Jesus. Yeah, they ended up they ended up blowing them up. Yeah, so I, I did some math on Saturday. Nevada only held the ball for like twenty two minutes. And you mm-hmm. score 72 points in that time span. It worked out to basically a point every 20 seconds of possession, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Let's keep it going. <laughs> um, some total numbers. Ganji, 16 of 26 for 342 and three tutties. Uh, McLean Mannix coming off an awesome freshman season. Four grabs, 132 yards, three touchdowns. And Caleb Fossum, the Washington State transfer, he got hurt in the Northwestern game last year. You can see in that game how important he could be. He's explosive. 
uh, special mm-hmm. teams playmaker, and he was six grabs for 139 yards. Yeah. And you consider they didn't even have one of their better wide receivers in Brendan O'Leary Orange. 6'4 Canadian um, was a late scratch. People expected him to play. At least I did. I, I don't know how plugged in I probably should have been, but I was expecting mm-hmm. him to play on Friday. He didn't get a go. So hang 72 points on the board without one of your better wide receivers. You can kind of complain about the slow start, but other than that, do you have any complaints about the opener? No, I mean that would be, if I had a complaint, that's what it would be. It would be the slow start. Yeah, but you kind of got kind of let it go. It's first game jitters, so yeah, you kind of kind of got to expect that a little bit. I think people move past that pretty quickly once the offense started clicking. Because at some point, well, it was nine nothing. Nevada ends up winning seventy two to was it nineteen? Yeah. So there was a, Nevada closed on a seventy two to ten run. It's not too, not too bad. I'll, I'll I'll accept that. Ridiculous. All right, let's move let's move on to Vanderbilt. Uh, you and I both did some research. This is a game a little more personal to you because you got your buddy Richard who went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Have you bummer have you, we can't bummer we can't be there, but I can't wait to talk talk smack. Have you reached out to him at all yet? No, nah, I'm gonna text him on game morning. Text him game day. Okay. So yeah. what did what did you learn about Vanderbilt? So obviously going just starting with this year, they started the season 35-7 win against Middle Tennessee State. Wasn't anything too special. I was looking at some of the stats. It was, you know, it was pretty, pretty even with the rush in the, in the past. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, there weren't any numbers when I was checking the summary that were kind of like, oh my God, this team's going to, you know, own Nevada. Right. Um, what I got away from, so when people think Vanderbilt, you say, yeah, it's an SEC program, but mm-hmm. is it really? I mean, you certainly don't put Van, you don't lump Vandy in with the likes of, Alabama and Auburn and uh, the rest of the big boys down there. Yeah. In conference the last four years, Vanderbilt is, do you want to guess how many wins the last four years in SEC play? I'm going to guess they have three or four wins. A little bit more than that. They're six and 26. Ooh. Uh, SEC's a joke. They only play eight conference games. They even man up, play some nine conference games like the Pac-12. But mm-hmm. Uh, six and twenty-six in conference over the last four years, but they've been pretty good at home in non-conference games. They've won their last seven home non-conference games, and that included, as you mentioned, the win over Middle Tennessee State last week. But it was—you talk about the numbers being kind of not really impressive, some kind of marginal numbers. Mm-hmm. They were only up fourteen-seven at the half. Yeah, um, they also had a slow start. It wasn't exactly a dominant effort uh, last week for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean the score. Yeah, the score. I mean, thirty-five to seven. But if you, yeah, if you look at it, like you said, they didn't really kind of. I guess you could say turn it on, but whatever you want to call it. In the second half is definitely where they pulled away. But right. I mean, I, the other thing I was looking at for another point I got is their is the quarterback and wide receiver kind of combo. I mean, their quarterback, the Shermer, he was ten of seventeen, one hundred seventy yards, two touchdowns. Um, but they he, had. He's really, he's really experienced. He has a ton of starts. He's been there a few years. He's been there a while. Yeah. I was, well, I was going to say too that, I mean, of his 10, you know, completions, he had one guy, Lipscomb, got four for 60 in a touchdown, but then there was six other receptions split up among, among four guys. So, I mean, even though the reception number is not high, it just, I mean, he was throwing it to anybody he could, it looked like. Yeah, a lot of people involved. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a number I saw that jumped out from last week was they recorded six sacks. So last week, Nevada was playing an important state team that recorded seven the entire season. 
Mm-hmm. Now you're playing a team that recorded six in one game. Now you're talking about, okay, it's Vanderbilt, but yes, it's an SEC team. They recruit in SEC territory. Um, yep. So they, they got some dudes on that side of the ball that the offensive line for Nevada is going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely got definitely got some dudes still there. Uh, the other part I had was for, I guess, on the rushing side of the ball, it looks like they're pretty even with the running game with who was touching the ball. They had three guys that split 28 carries. I mean, it was 145 yards. Two guys had a little over 50. The other guy, I think, had like upper 30s, 37, 38, or whatever. But it's this Wakefield, Blazing Game, and Vaughn. So it looks like they don't just have one guy that, you know, gets 90% of the carries. It looks like they're kind of mixing it up quite a bit. Yeah, so they're mixing it up in who's running the ball. They're mixing it up in who's catching the ball. Um, I think that part of that's because they don't have any, like, blue chip studs. Like when you mm-hmm. look at when you look at their roster, I don't think there's anyone that I mean, on the defensive side of the ball. There's probably a couple guys, um, but offensively they don't have any. That's their guy. So yeah, definitely, you can look at it and say, okay, that is less to worry about. You, they don't have an absolute stud, but you can also look at it and say, who do we try to key on? Yeah, exactly. Um, who do who do we put most of our focus on? So when I was um, looking at it, obviously one game in, it's pretty tough. And as we mentioned, not a dominant SEC team by any stretch. But I think the assumption is we can all, we can all assume that Nevada is going to have to score some points to, to win this game. Um, yeah, there, there's a really <laughs> sports statement. Nevada's going to have to score at least, <laughs> at least one point to win this game. Um, <laughs> no, the, Nevada's defense coming out the year that it had, you're going on the road. I think we can expect Vanderbilt to put up some points. So mm-hmm. can Nevada's offense play keep up against an SEC defense? It's going to have some boys that are bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, Vanderbilt has a new defensive coordinator this year. Uh, Derek Mason, their head coach, was a D coordinator until last year. They struggled mightily on defense, uh, especially in SEC play. So they hired uh, Jason Tarver, who was the defensive coordinator for the Niners, I believe, for a few years. And you look at last week, they only gave up seven points. Um, but almost 300 yards, and Middle Tennessee did drive the ball a little bit. They did have a defensive score. So Nevada, going on the road to play an SEC team, is going to play some defense. Um, that was one of the things that jumped out at me as well. Hmm. All right, uh, matchups to watch in this one. You went first last time. I'll, I'll go first here. Um, last week I said one of the things that we needed to look at was Nevada's linebackers against Portland State's tight ends because tight ends was the, the strength of that team clearly. Six tight ends on the two deep. <laughs> and Portland State stud tight end, Charlie, I'm going to butcher his last name again. Uh, no, I'm not. Charlie T, <laughs> three, gra- three grabs for 130 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah. only three ga- three grabs, two of them went for scores. One of them was super long. So the linebackers got a little bit exposed a couple times in coverage. Bandy has a pretty good tight end as well. And Jared Pinkney um, didn't put up huge numbers last year. Did really have... One really big game. He's one of the 900 tight ends who was named to a preseason watch list this year. He had three grabs for 32 yards last week. So, again, I'm kind of curious to see Malik Reed in the Nevada linebackers in coverage against the Vanderbilt tight ends. Yeah, I had something that you had mentioned above about Vanderbilt. I actually had that six sacks as one of my things to watch. So it's going to be Nevada offensive line against Vanderbilt D, like we've like you mentioned a little bit prior Vanderbilt obviously going to be bigger, faster, stronger, a lot more athletic. So how will the offense line hold up against, you know, an SEC team compared to FCS Big Sky? Right, right. Obviously, Ganji is going to need time to pass. So 
That's going to be a huge question mark. Talk about giving Ganji time. That was exactly what I wanted to go to next. Can Nevada hang around in the trenches? That's always going to be a storyline when you have a smaller school playing a bigger school. Bandy has all five starting offensive linemen from last year back this year. So can Nevada get any sort of push up front? And that's an absolute must in this one. If not a push to at least hang around, because if Nevada's just yeah. manhandled up front, it's going to be a long, long well, morning. It's a 9 a.m. start. Um, mm-hmm. And offensively, uh, Sean Kreps, Nevada's center, is going to be out again this week. So once again, Nevada's going to a D-tackle uh, to play center. Can Nevada's front block redshirt senior linebacker Charles Wright? He's probably Vanderbilt's best player. He had nine sacks last year, preseason second team, all SEC, absolute dude. So can Nevada up front block Charles Wright and really the rest of that Vanderbilt defense, I think, is something that's going to maybe decide this one. Mm-hmm. That would be a big question mark. Um, my next, my last one, I got Fossman Mannix versus the Vandy D, defensive backs. Last week, uh, Vandy you say, you only. Did you say Fossum Mannix? Fossum and Mannix. And Mannix. Okay. We got to make sure we get the pronunciation right. There we go. Yeah. We're dialed in. And Man- We're dialed and in. <laughs> Don't worry, Reno. I got you. Uh, Vandy allowed only 178 yards last week against Middle Tennessee for the whole team, but those two combined for 271 yards just alone against Portland State. Obviously, defensive caliber is going to be different, but right. Nevada's probably also going to be throwing the ball around a lot more, so it'll be interesting to see how Vanderbilt's defensive backs hold up against kind of the more air raid offense rolling through. Sure. Uh, moving on to biggest concerns for the, for this one. Um, I went first last time. I guess you can take this one to start. Uh, it's slow start. They're yeah. notorious, notorious for it. Like you said, 9 a.m. game. Going back, you know, playing in Tennessee, it's going to be a way different atmosphere. Uh, they're they're just plain and simple not going to be able to dig themselves a 9-0 hole to start. No, you got you got to show up early when you're when you're playing the road against anyone, let alone flying across the country to play an SEC team. That's a good one. Um, I had. Let's keep in mind here. So everyone's all excited that we'll get to the spread and the, and the betting angle here later. People are getting excited about this as a winnable game for Nevada. A couple things to, to keep in mind. Nevada won three games last year. Nevada's yet to win a game on the road with, with Jay Norvell as the head coach. So a lot of people are talking about this being a winnable game, and I, I think it is. Um, but let's keep in mind this is an SEC team still. This is an SEC team playing at home. So for me, I, I really go back to what's going to happen up front. We kind of just talked about it. But if Nevada gets absolutely manhandled on the defensive line, and on the offensive line, just in the trenches, it's going to be a long, long day for Nevada. So, um, for me, the concern is blocking Vanderbilt's front and giving Ganji time to, to get the ball out. Yeah. That, Do you got another one? Uh, well, I was also going to, just going to mention that, I mean, obviously what comes and goes with the air raid is that the air raid's not working. You're ter- giving the ball back quite a bit. And so the other big one would be Vanderbilt obviously will play a lot slower style offense. They're not going to be moving as quickly. Right. And if they're sitting there eating up the clock, you know, taking seven, eight minute drives, those are going to be, it's going to be pretty hard for Nevada, especially if they get themselves into a hole early. It'll be hard to crawl back out of that. That's a good point. I mean, if, if Vanderbilt's chewing up a ton of clock and you, then you have Nevada going, three and out and you're on the field for 90 seconds of real time defense goes right back out there mm-hmm. that that's a bad recipe so i guess offensively for nevada i mean that really makes it important we got to convert on third downs uh make sure you're in third and manageable 
Um, yeah. The last last thing you want after a long flight in a really early game is to force your defense to go play for 40 minutes. Yep. That's that would be, that'd be worst case scenario. The last one I had was your first. Just the fact that it's it's a 9 a.m. local start time. People rebuttal with, well, yeah, but Nevada practices early. Yes, they do. But now we're talking about flying across the country, and that adds a whole new element. Now you're talking about getting up for a game as opposed to getting ready for practice. It's just a different thing, um, especially because it's not in for the veteran players. That's not something they're going to be used to at all. I mean, you just don't play games that early in the Mountain West. You're usually playing at 7.30 or 6.30 at night. So um, the fact that it's an early game, we talked about Nevada starting slow last week. Nevada needs to drink its coffee early. Yeah, need a couple extra monsters or Red Bulls. <laughs> Shotgun and Red Bulls before the game. There you go. <laughs> uh, keys to victory in this one. For me, the first one, avoid big plays. Well, um, at least negative big plays. So don't let Vanderbilt um, put together big plays. We talked about them not necessarily being the most explosive player, or uh, not most explosive team, but maybe not the most overwhelmingly talented team. We'll put it that way. Um, you put how many yards did you say Middle Tennessee State had? Uh, for for passing, they or I mean Middle Tennessee put up 178. Oh, yards you're talking about passing. You're talking about passing yards. Okay. Yeah. The, the stat, Receive, I, receiving them or for rushing too, it wasn't much more because they only had 145 rushing. Right. So I, I had them at 294 total yards in that game. So what mm-hmm. I was what I was getting to is Vandy only outgained Middle Tennessee 346 to 294 in that game. So, yeah, it was yeah. 35-7 score, but they only outgained them by almost 50 yards. And part of that is they had two touchdowns of 25 yards or more, and they had a defensive scoop and score. So you have a handful of big plays that really played a significant hand in the game looking more lopsided than I think some of the stats would indicate. So if you're Nevada, a team that did give up some big plays last week, um, got got to avoid those on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think they got to get the pass game going early. Obviously, if that's going to be, you know, one of the biggest focal points of the offense is whipping that ball around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be a slow start. And I think it could be a real momentum killer if you go, you know, the first couple drives and you're going three and out or maybe getting four or five plays in. But I just think you need to get the momentum early and let, you know, uh, Vanderbilt know that we're not not basically not the same team as we were last year. You know that it's been, it was addressed all week, the fact that Nevada cannot start the way it did last mm-hmm. week. Uh, you, yeah. you can get away with that at home against a really young, inexperienced, just flat out not very good Portland State team. But now going to Vanderbilt, it was the one I had uh, written down here as well. I said last week, make it sexy. It wasn't sexy early, but, ev- <laughs> but eventually it was. It, it has to be sexy from opening kick f- for Nevada on Saturday if it's going to do something special. And went on the road against an SEC team, so that was the one I had as well. Is, is, is start fast? Yeah, actually, I should, I should say start sexy. Start sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I also had, if we're going to keep with uh, the point I made earlier, is that I think Nevada needs to retain the ball. Obviously, they move their offense moves a lot quicker, but the less time the ball can be on the Vanderbilt side marching, I think that'll be better for Nevada. I mean, you you could see the split time. I actually think Middle Tennessee had the ball more than Vanderbilt did last week. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously the score was what the score was. But Nevada's also going to need that little extra oomph 
that little help. If they can retain the ball for five to six minutes more than Vanderbilt, keep the offense off the field, keep the defense rested, I think that's going to be a big, big factor as well. Yeah. Okay, we kind of talked about that already, but if, if Nevada's offense is on the field and you're letting the defense linemen who you figure are going to be in for a long day, you're letting them catch their breath on the sideline, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a really interesting to watch. Nevada was pretty good on third down uh, last week and was dominant on third down defensively. I think Portland State was like, it was something ridiculous. I don't want to quote the wrong stat. It was like 3 of 17 or something. They were just atrocious, Portland State was, on third down. So defensively, get off the field on third down. Nevada, find a way to move the chains offensively. Uh, my third one was score a lot of points. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much you can ask of Nevada's defense, which looked pretty good after a sluggish start against Portland State, how much you can ask of them this week. I, I think it's going to be really hard to say, hey, go hold Vanderbilt to 19 points at home. Yeah. Um, so you know Vanderbilt's going to score some points. Offensively, I think Nevada's just going to have to play keep up. Um, I don't know how high scoring it's going to be because, as, as you mentioned, Vanderbilt's kind of a more possession-style offense. That's kind of how the most of the SEC works. Um, well, that's how it used to work. It's starting to get more a little tempo-based in SEC. But offensively, going to have to score some points. And, I, again, I think that comes back to the more I talk about the more I'm talking myself into it, third down is going to be huge in this game um, considering the contrasting styles. So um, Daganji and the offense gets to play really well. And as we mentioned, it's going to be nice – at least for the offense to get Brendan O'Leary orange back after after missing last week. All right, uh, you want to jump into some predictions now? Well, I don't know if you remember, but I did predict Nevada to win this game. You did. I, I was I was ready. I was ready to call you out if you were if you're about to flop on that. Oh, back a couple episodes ago, I'm still as confident as I was back then. Uh, obviously, Nevada is not going to hang a seventy burger this week. But I'm going to say we're going to get a 27-24 Nevada win. 27-24, okay. Um, so I mentioned Vanderbilt's won seven straight home non-conference games. I mentioned that Nevada has not won a road game under Jay Norvell yet. I mentioned mm-hmm. that, or we both mentioned that last week was against a really bad FCS team. I think a lot of people have understood that. Um, the 72 points is cool regardless, but at a certain point you got to realize – Okay, it was Portland State. Yeah. <laughs> so in our in our season preview show, I picked Vanderbilt to win this game. I'm going to stick with that one. I'm going to go Vanderbilt. Ooh. Vanderbilt 41, Nevada 30. Um, we're, we'll get into the betting angle here. Before we get into that, I do want to brag real quick. We, we aren't going to do attendance predictions for for away games, but we did do it last week. Did you did you see what the number was? I don't know if it was the official or the unofficial. I saw 17-5. So my guess was 17-6. Your guess was 16-5. The real number was 17,525. Oh, God, within 100. So <laughs> I, I was 75 heads away from drilling it. Jeez, yeah. No, I saw that number was like, all right, Nathan owned me. I got wrecked. That's I, I will never get, get closer than, than that. I'll take that bet. That's a strong start. <laughs> strong, doesn't strong get mu- does not get much stronger. All right, uh, we just yeah, hinted on it. What's the what, what's the line? At least what it is right now, Wednesday night when we're recording this. All right, so I was checking. Uh, Siri was nice enough to tell me that the spread was eight and a half. There's a couple different websites you can look on. I use Odd Shark and Covers, but um, right now spread I saw eight and a half over under sixty three. Um, just a couple Only things. Sixty three is the total. That seems a little bit low to me. 
Yeah, 63. And the crazy thing is some of the statistics I was looking at that these websites have were saying that the under is pretty destined to hit. But I got the itch. Got to take the over. Um, <laughs> Odd, Odd Shark even had the prediction of the game as 20 to 19 in a Nevada victory. Whoa. Mm hmm. But there's three stati- I was talking to Nathan briefly. There's three statistics that I like to talk about. Um, they kind of show, you know, they kind of give you little hints of what they think is going to happen in previous games. Uh, right now, in the last seven games on field turf, and some of these things do get a little ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this though, because this is like the shit that I hear you talk about all the time, and now yeah. you're going to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> Whereas I'm sitting in the living room screaming how it's a lock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, the last seven games on field turf, Wolfpack, the Wolfpack is six and one against the spread. So if that doesn't make you feel good, I don't know what will. They're six and uh, one against the spread in their last seven games on turf. Yep, exactly. Okay. They have, Vandy is also 0 for 4 in their last four games, obviously, against the spread following a spread win. Okay. So they covered last, so in terms of people who don't really follow betting that much, it means that Vanderbilt last week, they covered the spread, whatever it was. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I don't know either. But in the last four games that they've covered the spread, the following game, they don't cover. All right. Um, then my following one is that the over in Vandy games is five and one, uh, in the last six versus a team with a winning record. So Nevada undefeated one and oh. This is a battle <laughs> of the beatings. This is a, this is a national game. Right now, exactly. the unbeaten's going at it in Nashville. That's what I'm saying. So if we're if we're not getting votes next week, I don't know what will get us votes. <laughs> Those stats, like I remember for there, was, I had a small phase. I think it was a year and a half ago where I started looking into those websites and really getting into it. The problem mm-hmm. with those stats is you can make a case because they have so many stats on there. You can make oh, yeah. a, you can make a case either way. Like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll just just think about it with the first one, for example. Wolfpack is six and one against the spread in the last seven on field turf. What if they were playing Bama? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, well, well, the spread would obviously be massive, though. Well, yeah, the spread would be huge. I guess you you could argue that, but um, well, I'm I just mean, saying, I'm just saying, like, there's there's numbers that'll say like Nevada is three and one against the spread in their last four in in games where the wind is blowing ten degrees. Or uh, ten miles an hour north northeast. Like yeah, you hate there's a, there's yeah. some ridiculous stats on there. But you hate them, but you love them when they hit. <laughs> Analytics, baby. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the the spreads eight and a half. The total mm-hmm. and the total is sixty three. Yep. So what... we just gave our predictions. Uh, I said forty one thirty. What'd you say? I said twenty seven twenty four Nevada. Twenty seven twenty four. So you that is the under. I do have the under. I do love the over, but for my prediction, you know, I'm looking more as beating you with my prediction. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I'm, I'll tell you guys. I'm gonna be contradictory because I'm betting the over. <laughs> but with my pick, I'm taking. It's gonna be under. I was. I was gonna say. So what do you, you you recommend for everyone who's sitting here looking at that 63? You recommend the over. If I'm going to bet it, yeah, I'm going to take the over. Nevada, like we were talking earlier, Nevada did give up some big plays last game. I'm not saying they're going to, but just looking on both sides of the ball, Nevada can move. I don't know. Against, you know, Portland State and Vandy are different, obviously, but Nevada put up some serious numbers per second, whatever that stat was you said. Yeah. So 
they can move the ball and all it takes is a couple drives. Then, you know, once say Nevada gets a lead, then all of a sudden maybe now Vandy's chasing, they're starting to move a little quicker. So all it really takes is kind of one team to get moving. And then next thing you know, that over's cashing in. And we'll say this a ton on the show, betting the under sucks. It is so it. lame. Well, it's the worst too. Cause think about this. Uh, you, you know, you got it. Say some of these over-unders, especially in college football, miss in like the third quarter. So you're sitting there in the under and it's like, you're watching some stupid game you don't care about or whatever. And it's like, all right, now I don't even care. I've lost my money. Florida Institute of Technology's lost me everything. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you've lost everything betting on the Florida Institute of Technology, you, you have bigger problems than what's happening in that football game. Hey, just don't acknowledge them. <laughs> All right, so you so you're taking you're you're taking Nevada and the over. Yeah, if, I mean, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do a two single bets or a parlay, however you want it, I wouldn't yeah. parlay. But yeah, I would take Nevada and the over. Can you do a parlay on that? Can you take yeah. the the total and the spread on one game? Yeah, you can do it for entire games. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, you just can't do it on like. Um, you can't do like the first half and a full game. Oh, so you couldn't okay. do like Nevada for the game and the first half under or something like that. Like it needs to be both first half or both full game. Okay. So you're going, you're going, you're taking the points in the over. I guess it'd be kind of fun if we started keeping track of this and then I mm-hmm. bet against you also, but I would bet, the, I'd bet the same thing. All right. Take, take Maybe. the points in the over. I think that's like the safest bet in any game. Right. Yeah. And you got to get excited for touchdowns. So. Absolutely. All right, let's move on, move on to some slants. We're introducing a new one this week. Uh, last week with football really returning, we saw some familiar names, some familiar situations, uh, being hung over on the couch on Sunday. Um, so we're calling this one, Hey, I Know You. I got a few. You want to go first, bro? Um, yeah, I got two. The okay. first, my first one is just – so obviously if anybody listened to the last episode, I was out of town last week. I was at the Rose Bowl watching UCLA and the starter Chip Kelly get embarrassingly beat by Cincinnati. So brutal. So <laughs> Very brutal. But a lot of those I, – I ended up – or we ended up wiggling our way into the student section in UCLA because I should, you know <laughs> – Oh, I didn't know do that. It. Nice. Yeah, we end up in the student section. But it reminded me of when I think it was a freshman or a sophomore and the Nevada played uh USF, South Florida, and I was so excited for the game. I didn't put on any sunscreen and I got absolutely fried <laughs> along with eighty percent of the freshmen that year. And I was looking around at the UCLA student section and it was so hot in LA this weekend. I remember being like, These kids are gonna get destroyed. <laughs> Well, didn't you get sunburnt? Well, that was the thing. It's, I got completely sunburnt, so I was like, hey, I know you. I was in your spot five years ago. <laughs> and I'm in your spot right now. It's yeah, like I never so I was left. Like, I was like, hey, I'm getting burnt too. I still haven't learned. <laughs> well, and no no alcohol at the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah, so we'll get into that after your first one, but that'll lead into my second, okay. hey, I know you. But, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's another story. All right. Uh, my first one is watching Notre Dame, Michigan – on uh, Saturday night, one of the bigger games of, of the weekend. And most know that Brian Pullian, former Nevada head football coach, is the special teams coordinator at Notre Dame. Michigan's offense looked terrible. Again, different quarterback, same story as, as the last year, last couple of years. And Notre Dame gives up a kick return for a touchdown, and they cut to Pullian on the sideline, just <laughs> absolutely losing his mind. Just going nuts, screaming at everyone, 
And I, I was just curious because I certainly felt it. Like, I wonder how many people in Reno look at that and be like, man, I miss that. <laughs> like, um, it, g- it was just so, like, we saw that happen for four straight years. Yeah. For four straight Against years. Against us. <laughs> yeah, except for we were pissed, and then he was also pissed, and they were pissed at him for being pissed, and it was just yeah. a, a bad cycle. But so it was just a, a flashback, I guess. Uh, hey, I know that, I know you. I, I remember that moment. That was kind of funny yeah. that game. Classic Pullian. Yeah. Uh, my other one, it's going to be real quick. So everyone out in Reno, you got to give yourself a little pat on the back because Nevada definitely tailgates better than UCLA, which I thought was embarrassing. I'm hoping it wasn't just the section I was at, but it was embarrassing for what I was experiencing. Really? But the hey, I know. Yeah, it was. Well, I don't it's know it's what on section. A golf course, right? It's right on a golf course. It was very. We, we wandered around quite a bit and it was very, you know, not to say this is a bad thing, but there was kind of kids everywhere. So nobody was really getting too wild. I only saw maybe two games of cornhole going on was oh, thoroughly so disappointed. Weak. I, yeah, the, I, at that time, the UW game was playing against Auburn. Um, yeah. I asked two, two guys if I could stand behind their chairs and watch the game as yeah. I'm wearing my UW jersey. <laughs> Nice. And they scoffed at me and were acting like I was some sort of asshole for asking to watch the game. So I was like, all right, now I hate, now I hate this. But <laughs> the, the, hey, I know you was that, uh, myself and two buddies were posted up on this little kind of grassy hill with a 30 bomb of Coors Light. So repping. Nice. And we're looking off kind of, you know, 30 feet ahead of us. Yeah. And there's another group of about four people who also looked incredibly lost. And those are my people. Yeah, so we're like, hey, we're in the same situation as you are. They ended up posting next to us. We ended up just drinking with them, jello shots. All, ended up being a good time with them, but nice. that was kind of the spot that we had. That we both had that. Both groups had that look <laughs> in their eyes, like, yep, we're not from here. Yep, we did that when we went to the Stanford UW game several years ago. We're mm-hmm. walking around like we're just gonna try to find some purple and then go hang out with those people. That ended yep. up being a good time. We had, we had a great time. I I mean, one of the best tailgates we went to was that Utah. Remember when we went to Utah? That was weird. that was an awesome game, but everyone in Utah. So if, if no one's been to a Utah football game, it's kind of a weird experience because you show up and we're obviously wearing purple. There's a ton of red, and everyone was just overwhelmingly nice. Oh, you wanted the hostility? I've, I've, yeah, if we want to mention how polite everybody like was. Everyone was, everyone was like, "Thank you for coming. We hope you have a good time." <laughs> that was such a good game. Like we were just hoping for a good game, like that kind of stuff. And I was like, "No." They lost on a punt return. They're like punt return to win it. We're both ranked ranked nationally college game day. (laughs) I do remember walking back and people being like, Oh, thank you so much for making the trip. And I, I honestly thought we were in like Atlantis or like an Island out in the Pacific. (laughs) Like I suppose our chest bumping people. You like that? You like that? And they're like, we we do. It's a great time. Both teams had a lot of fun. Like, okay, you're ruining this for me. Like get in the car, get in the car. (laughs) <laughs> All right, um, I'll get to, to these last two real quick. Uh, Brandon Tahoe, Reno kid, um, now at Alabama. Uh, that's a weird story. Uh, but he got some time against Louisville. He, he made a couple tackles, or at least one. Um, so always cool to see the local kids on that stage. Obviously, Gabby Williams from Reed played at UConn for several years. Um, had her on my radio show a couple times, not to brag. Um, now she's playing for the Chicago WNBA team. So it's fun watching her. Now we're going to see Caho, um, playing for the program that you think of when it comes to college football. Um, mm-hmm. so pretty cool to see Reno on the map. I don't want to get too much into the whole, where, where you plugged in on that thing. 
how weird that yeah, was. Yeah, the whole rec- the commitment, decommitment, I want to stay closer to home, and then the next day going out to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah well, was, it wasn't him that said it. It was... wasn't his dad it, or something. It, I think that's what's been re- believed. It was. I think it was a source close to the family. Yeah, it, I'll kind of leave it at that. I'll leave my comments at that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me, as, as a UW fan, I'm proud of how Chris Peterson handled that. Yeah. Like he said, all right, you want out? You can, you can get out, and you have to know at that point like what's going on. Like They were reporting that he lost a ton of weight, and that clearly was not the situation either. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of um, half-troops. Yeah, there. I mean, the, the last thing I'll say about this, it'll just be interesting to see if the NCAA takes a glimpse at this. Man, if that's not suspicious, I don't know what is. And the last one is uh, Cam Oliver. Shout out. Um, our boy Cam um, bounced around with a couple different teams. I thought he was going to have a good look with the Rockets. Coming out of the, the draft, we didn't get drafted, signed as a free agent. But the Blazers signed him to a training camp deal, so he's going to get another look. Um, played pretty well, played really well in summer league. So happy to see Cam uh, getting a crack at it. And even cool, he's going to be playing for our Zers, um, or at least mm-hmm. getting a look with our Zers. So uh, really happy for Cam uh, getting a look in Portland. All right, uh, NFL games you're looking forward to this weekend. First one, it's going to be super obvious. Falcons-Eagles, start of the season. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean – Tomorrow, I'm just, I can't wait. It, fantasy, some gambling, everything. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I can't be too excited about fantasy because my last couple of years have been pretty, pretty subpar, but you got to look at it with optimism, you know? <laughs> Tenth and ninth in the last two years. Those aren't, so I got nothing brutal. to hang my hat on. Awful. Yeah, I got, uh, not good in that regard. But yeah, definitely the opener, Falcons, Eagles. I, I think that'll be a good game. Even though, even though Wentz still isn't going to be clear to play. I think it'll still be entertaining, and it's, I'll be tuning in. It's only fitting that in the game that they're going to hang the banner and celebrate mm-hmm. the Super Bowl that Nick Foles is the one taking the snaps. <laughs> exactly. I think so that's kind of cool. Um, I re- I have a few down just from a, some a few different storylines. I I had in parentheses all of them. <laughs> just yeah. happy the NFL is back. Um, yeah. But Jacksonville at the Giants. Jacksonville coming off an AFC title game appearance. They Probably should have gone to the Super Bowl, honestly. That was a winnable game. They were just scared to let Blake Bortles throw the ball in the fourth quarter. Um, so I'm really curious to see that defense against Saquon Barkley. Uh, that kid is an absolute beast. Um, I think he's going to be an absolute just stud. Um, so he hits a, a pretty good test right out of the gate against um, the Jacksonville defense. Houston at New England. First look mm-hmm. at Deshaun Watson since he tore his ACL and broke my fantasy heart last year. San Francisco at Minnesota. A ton of hype around the Niners this yep. year, and there's just as much, if not more, no, there's definitely more um, for Minnesota, at least on a national scale. Um, well, because I was, I was saying another another game too. You got to check out too is uh, the Browns versus Steelers. I don't know how many people were tuning into Hard Knocks, but don't don't I'm, don't, I'm gonna say don't do it because I didn't get to watch it last night. So do not ruin the spoil. Oh, you don't didn't get spoil to see it. it oh me. my gosh! Okay, I, I won't let you know who gets final cuts, but I'll just. For anybody that was watching, I hope you were heartbroken with me too. That uh, that was a brutal, uh, just brutal side of the business that you see. But um, yeah, I mean, especially now that Le'Veon's looking like he's not even going to play because he's still got his old contract yeah. issues. So I'm going to say, let the juice loose, Jarvis, Tyrod Taylor. I I hope they stick it to the Steelers and get a win. But that game, I'll definitely be watching. So I got to tell you, I don't know if everyone caught me just stutter there for a second. I'm dog sitting right now, so I got two dogs in the house, and I have the door to the room closed. And one of the dogs, Delilah, so Tara's parents' dog, opened the door 
and just scared the shit out of me because <laughs> I was home alone. Like <laughs> that was legitimately terrifying for me. Well, I saw I saw the door open. And I thought that somebody was walking into the room. And I was looking behind your head like uh, back there. <laughs> oh, that was so scary. There you okay, go. I need to re- I need to regroup here. Um, <laughs> what was I saying about San Francisco at Minnesota? Oh, Jimmy G. So a ton of hype yeah. around him. He, he's now he's going on the road to play Minnesota in their defense. So that game's gonna be fun. And then the Homer angle, Seattle at Denver. I think there's maybe a little bit more for Denver. People are certainly writing Seattle off. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just excited to see our Hawks. Okay. Um, getting to some Twitter questions. Like I said, this is something we did on the show or on my radio show. I certainly want to implement it on the podcast because as we've said several times, we want to, this to be your guys' podcast. Everyone that's listening, we want you guys to be involved. We want you guys to be engaged. We want you to be part of this. Um, so I got the first question is from my buddy, Jesse. We golf 36 holes on Monday and I'm so sore. First time I never, ever done that. And I will never do it again. It's um, a lot of golf. That's too much golf. Um, but he said, what do you guys think about the Raiders coming to Nevada and how do you think it will impact Nevada sports as a whole? Um, I guess I'll take it first. It's obviously people in Reno. I totally get it. When I was up in Reno, I was like, eh. it, cause really they're moving further away from, <laughs> from Reno by moving into Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bay Area is obviously closer to Reno than Vegas. But I can tell you being down here in Vegas, getting to see where they're building the stadium every day, the stadium is going to be sick. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Traffic is going to be an absolute nightmare. They, they're talking about they're going to do some satellite parking because they're basically putting the stadium on the strip. I mean, it could not be any closer to the strip. They're going to have to have things to shuttle people in. Yeah, so they have, they're going to have satellite parking spots, and they're going to have shuttles that drive people in. Um, so game day is going to be an absolute pain, and we'll see. The cool thing about it beyond NFL being here in town, at least for people here in Vegas, is that there's going to be other venues or other events going on there too. So maybe some like World Cup qualifiers. Um, Vegas is almost certainly going to get the Super Bowl in 2024, 2025, whatever year that is. Um, as far as how it affects the sports landscape as a whole for the state. I'll be really curious. So people down here got way excited about the Knights. I mean, it's, I would say this is more of a Knights town now than it is more than anything. I see way more people getting excited about the Knights than I do see them getting excited about uh, UNLV anything. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly more excited about the Knights than the WNBA team here in town. I mean, truthfully, the WNBA, WNBA season started. I don't think anyone knew about it until probably a few weeks in at least. They have a team down there? We have a WNBA team. Oh. They're the Aces, which obviously upset the Aces. Yeah. I, when I think of the Aces, I, I think of the Triple yeah, Reno. Up in Reno. So um, it'll be interesting to see how much Las Vegas gets behind the Raiders because the Knights were Vegases. Like that, they, they were they started here. Expansion franchise is easy to get behind them. The Raiders are a franchise that's moving here. They already have their fan base, at least what's going to be left of it when they move. Um, so. I, I think that the, the Knights might kind of own it. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. You know, the Knights originated there, so they're definitely going to get first pick. The Raiders, you know, they were the L.A. Raiders, then they're the Oakland Raiders. Now they're going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. You're kind of sprinkling people all over. But even though you're sprinkling this fan base, you're also kind of getting people a little bitter. Um the other part, too, I was going to say, I know we've talked about this before, is there was the talks when they were first coming that the practice facility was going to be up in Reno, and that kind of got some people excited. And then it kind of came out that nothing was really ever written down about it, or nothing was, right. si- you know, no T's, T's were crossed. Well, and they're, still, they're still looking into it, though. We'll see. I think what's going to have to happen is what 
they're going to build some facility Raiders, for well, him. Well, or, yeah, the Raiders trying to say we want the we want public money, and if I'm a Nevada citizen, which I am, so yeah. what are you talking about? We just gave you seven hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah, if you're coming from my side on that too, especially that's like the public just backed the stadium. With, I can't remember what they paid for over half of it, didn't they? Or was it half? No, it wasn't. It's going to be, I think it's like 2.2 billion is what the total is going to be. So Nevada put up $750 million basically in yeah. hotel, hotel tax money, but they're, yeah. it's all up based off projections. How many people are going to show up? And that's the most public money ever that, that's ever gone to a, to a stadium. So there's a fun gamble for you. Welcome to Vegas. Um, Next question from Fake Matt Mummy. This dude was a staple for me when I had my radio show. He keep, keeps it going. Question for the next podcast. This this one is right up your alley, bro. What's the better song? In the Air Tonight or some studio? Please cite your work. Some Phil in Collins. The I'm going In the Air Tonight. That was, shout out, Woodland High School. That was our football walk, walk him in or yeah. kind of walk-in song on Friday night. So I'm going nice and quick. In the Air Tonight. Phil Collins is also just a legend, too. So Absolute legend. Yeah, I think it depends. It's funny. I didn't know they were still playing it when you were there. I remember my senior year, that was one of our games. It wasn't the song we walked out to, but it mm-hmm. was, they played, it was during our pregame playlist. Oh, yeah. And I remember just hear, hearing that and getting absolutely ready to run through a wall. <laughs> like, it, it just pumps you up. But it's different. So, Studio is more like, In the Air Tonight is like a pump up song. So, Studio is like a, um, five beers deep and I'm feeling kind of loosey-goosey and I want to go jump around for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, two completely different vibes. <laughs> I did some clicking around on this, the studio. Apparently it's like some, I don't know, maybe it's been verified somewhere, but I was reading some stories like no one has any idea what the studio actually means, like if it's a name. Oh, it's just some random word this guy I, said. I saw a few different theories. Uh, one was there was some guy in the studio who had a speech impediment and couldn't say studio. He said it's a studio. And then Phil Collins just stole it. Um, one theory was that was like a word that he just used when he was like jamming and couldn't think of a word. He would say. So it was just kind of one of those random filler words. He, he used it as a filler word. And the third one is he's supposed to be singing about a girl and they didn't want to use one specific name. So they wanted to use a name that no one knew of. So it could kind of relate to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that was the third theory. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe if someone knows of a different theory that you guys can go ahead and tweet us, let us know. Uh, this is a good question. Kind of talk about this. Any recommendations to jazz up a tailgate? This one's from Austin. Uh, so simple. If you don't have them, just one quick thing. Music is the biggest part of a tailgate. I think it's no one question. of those in the background, you know, you got to have something going. But Costco has those big Bluetooth. I don't know how much they cost. I'm going to assume probably about a hundred bucks, but I've seen those around at a couple tailgates and those would, that would be my absolute essential. All right. That's a good one. And oh, you know, what you can play on your speaker is you can listen to the Reno slant, the preview of the game as you're getting ready to go in. You tell me if that was a plug. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, I was just going to say beer. I mean, that's lame, <laughs> but if you have a tailgate without, without beer, you don't even have a tailgate. You're just sitting there like an idiot. Um, uh, if I could try to think of a real one here. So you, you went music. I would say you got to have some sort of game, whether it's cornhole, whether, yeah. whether it's beer die, whether it's beer pong, you need s- be... something to get the testosterone pumping. Something you can chest bump and high five and get all fired up about. Yeah. You got to keep people entertained. Because then people just start standing around, so the game's a good one. Yep. 
Um, and then the last question we got from Josh. Um, hey, really enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much for doing it, Northern Nevada. And Pac fans were definitely in need. I could have skipped that part, but I needed to read that. Thanks, Josh. Uh, my question is, what do you guys think are some ways to raise money to keep Musk in Reno for a bit longer? Or do you think it will be be about money at all? Um, so this is actually really relevant, really timely. Nevada just announced that they sold out season tickets for the season, which is absolutely bonkers. And the way you keep someone like Musk, who's going to get a ton of offers in the offseason, he already turned down Cal, uh, was it last year now? Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, years. he turned down Cal. Um, the way you get someone like that to stay is you invest in the program. You support the program, whether it's buying tickets, whether it's convincing friends to go, it's watching the game, whether it's buying, buying gear, um, just supporting the program in any way you can, letting him know that he is appreciated here. Because ultimately, it's going to be about money. Uh, he's getting paid a million dollars a year right now. Some program is going to come after him uh, in the offseason and say, hey, here's two and a half million a year. I mean, that's a r- ridiculous pay increase. And I don't care mm. who you are. That's hard to say no to. So I, I guess do you have any two cents about that? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, obviously money's going to be a factor. You're going to have a big school that's going to be able to come in. You're going to have a Cal or somebody that's going to say, hey, we can offer you two and a half mil. I think obviously that's going to be part of it. He doesn't want to be sitting around here and, you know, getting pennies when he could be getting dollars. But the other, the other factor, too, is he's made from what the basketball team was prior to him showing up to what it is now. The basketball team is his. Like the whole environment, right. he's got the whole community support. I mean, I dare you to find someone that's got some bad egg thing to say about him right now in the whole city. He's getting all these crazy recruits. You know, I think they're in talks right now with another one. I know, I can't remember what his name is, but I saw that he listed Nevada as one of his top two. But um, if he leaves, I mean, it's basically restarting again. Yeah going somewhere else. So I do think money is a factor, but I also think that, I mean, from what he's built here, that that's going to play a, a major part in what he decides. Right. Well, part of that conversation, though, that he's going to have with his family and with himself in the offseason when he, when he ultimately makes a decision, what he's going to do is, okay, look what he's built here at Nevada in four years. Mm-hmm. What happens if you go to a Pac-12 program now with those yeah. resources and you have way more at your disposal. Yeah. And then that now you're instead of being the man in Reno, you're the man in the Bay Area. You're the man in LA. It's just different. Yeah. And there's two sides. I mean, not saying that he would need it, but say you do go to those bigger programs like he's obviously had no means of this at all here is that the leash is a little longer here. If he goes to one of those bigger programs, it's kind of you know, well, not as much as Pac-12 because the basketball is not very good in Pac-12. But, you know, more or less he gets these bigger programs and it's kind of got the underlying message of you need to win or you're going to go. Yeah. And something to consider, too. We talk, we're talking about money. There's no state income tax in Nevada. So a million dollars without state income tax and, say, $2 million in California. Pretty similar. The number gets closer than people would guess there. And then you're mm-hmm. talking about cost of living and all that stuff and you do some math and it really it's not at all a one million dollar difference a year. But again, that's not our decision, but it is it is fun to speculate. I don't think 
Nevada fans want to think too much about it yet before the <laughs> season starts. I, I, I truthfully would, would much rather think about this season because, man, this season's going to be sweet. It's going to be a lot of – it's going to be so much fun. All right. That, that's a fun way to, to wrap up the show. It's football season. We can, we can always talk basketball, especially Nevada basketball on this show. So to everyone who has listened to us, whether it was our launch last week, listened to this show – uh, thank you so, so much. I want you guys all to know how much we appreciate it because this is your podcast. I uh, need to give a shout out, some love to my boy Ryan. Ryan ru- runs Law of the Jungle, nv.weebly.com. If you guys haven't seen that website, basically he grabs all the Nevada content he can find, whether it's new con- new media or old media, and he puts it all in one spot. So if you're looking to just splurge on Nevada content, he has it all on his site. Uh, it really is a great site, and that site now obviously has our podcast as well. Um, so I need to give give Ryan some love. You guys should check out his site. Again, it's lawofthejungleenv.weebly.com. I mentioned this at the beginning. Um, our iTunes review of the week was kind of fun going over that this week. So if you want to be in the running for that, um, we always appreciate the iTunes reviews. Leave us a five-star review. And we'll maybe give you a shout out on next week's show. You can also participate in Twitter questions. Um, you can reach us at the Reno Slant on Twitter, or if you prefer to email it and you want to make it be anonymous, that's fine too. You can email us at thereno_slant at gmail.com. And, and to everyone, by the way, who follow us on Twitter, I think we're at almost 160 followers now. Um, you guys are awesome. It's just another symptom of it. Last week was so much fun uh, getting this podcast off the ground. It's off to SEC country now for Nevada. Nevada at Vanderbilt Saturday morning, bright and early, 9 a.m. on the SEC network. I still don't have cable. So for my friends down here in Vegas who are going to be watching the game with the SEC network, uh, I'm coming over. I, I will bring a 12-pack. How about that? We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.